Hello everyone. Today Steve will be finishing Hebrews chapter 10 and as we've been doing over the past couple of weeks I will be reading a different passage that connects with what he will be talking about. Today's passage is from Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36 beginning in verse 22 and working down to the end of the chapter. So if you have your Bibles you can open them to Hebrews 10 and to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36 beginning in verse 22. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the Sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns, and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, This land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden, and the cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Once again, I will yield to Israel's plea and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks for offerings at Jerusalem during her appointed festivals. So will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's uh, May 17th, Victoria Day weekend. And although on the Victoria Day weekend most years, I'm used to looking around and not seeing quite as many people in the auditorium. Uh, this is by far the most poorly attended service we've ever had on 
a Victoria Day. Just me by myself in the library and you uh, wherever it is that you are. It's now been two months since we've been able to meet uh, together. March 15th was the first Sunday that we were not able to meet and now it's May 17th. So two, just a little over two months have gone by. There are a lot of things that have happened in the world, uh, lots of things that have happened in the life of people in our church, a lot of things that you yourself have experienced. Uh, this has been a two months, unlike anything we, as a collective society, as a collective group at Crestwood Baptist Church, unlike anything that we are familiar with at all. Uh, we're going to uh, find our continuity, though, in the Word of God. And we're going to keep working through uh, the book of Hebrews. Uh, picking up uh, in verse 19 of chapter 10, we're going to look at, Lord willing, we're going to look at chapter 10, 19 through the end of the book, or through the end of the chapter, rather. The end of the book would be a bit of a longer message. Uh, chapter 10, verses 19 through 39. Uh, chapters one, chapter 10, 1 through 18, of course, uh, we looked at last week uh, on Mother's Day, and it's about how Christ came into the world to do the will of God. And because he did that, he was able to offer himself as a sacrifice to the Lord that could make us perfect forever. On the basis of what Christ has done then, we read these words. This is the word of God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence, 
it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For, in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Verses 19 through 25 in the original letter uh, constitute one sentence. So 19 through 25 gives you one sentence that contains three imperatives. That is, it contains three commands. This is what you're supposed to do. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence entered the most holy place by the blood of Christ. So now he's applying all that material in verses 1 through 18. Because of what Christ has done, now we have confidence to go into the most holy place. That is, the place in the Old Covenant that brought death if you went into it. You have confidence to go in because of the blood of Christ. His body, metaphorically, is the curtain, the entranceway into the Holy of Holies. So, because his body has been opened up, and we have access to God through his death. The first imperative is in verse 22. Let us draw near to God. Total difference from the old covenant. The old covenant curtain in the most holy place said, Stay out. If you come in here, you will die. The new covenant curtain, Christ's body, says, come in. Come into the presence of God. So because of what Jesus Christ has done, you remember in Matthew's gospel, the curtain in the temple is torn in two from top to bottom. That way, in the way into God's most holy presence is open to sinners like us because Jesus Christ is our substitute who makes us perfect. So draw near to God. Draw near to God. Even now. You can come into the very presence of God through the merit of Jesus Christ. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. He's cleansed you so you can actually have a sincere heart. In the deepest part of who you are, you can sincerely love God. Draw near to him with a sincere heart and with the full assurance of faith. So you can come near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance through Jesus Christ. Your hearts have been sprinkled to cleanse from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The covenant entry was symbolized by the sprinkling of clean water on the people. And then in Ezekiel 36, you have this beautiful new covenant prophecy. God's going to take out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. He's going to put a new spirit in his people. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. We enter into the new covenant era through the cleansing that comes only through Jesus Christ. So there's a full assurance of faith. You can have a sincere heart because you've been cleansed by Jesus as you enter into the covenant. So the first imperative. Let us draw near to God. The second is in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly 
to the hope that we profess. So the first one was draw near to God. The second one is don't let go of your hope. You know, hold on to it. Hold on to it tightly. Hold on to it unswervingly. Do not deviate from your hope. Why? Because the one who promised, the one that you hope in, is faithful. God's promises are all yes and amen in Jesus Christ. God's promises will never fail. And so trust with absolute hope. Don't, don't, ever, don't ever fail. Don't ever quail in your faith. Hold unswervingly to that hope that you talk about. That hope of glory through Jesus. That hope of forgiveness through Christ. Don't let it go. For he who promised is faithful. And then the third imperative, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. It's an amazing thing, actually, in terms of church life. You're supposed to think about, you're supposed to consider, so think about how you can help someone else move on in terms of uh, growth in good deeds and love. We're supposed to try to help each other love one another. Love and good deeds are central. They should be central to our expression as the body of Christ. We ought to love one another. Failure to love is a tremendous sin. And so we're going to consider how we can spur one another on toward love and the deeds that flow out of love. And to do that, the assumption is that you're going to be together. So let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Well, it's been two months since we have gathered together as a church family. You have gotten in the habit of not meeting together. In fact, I'm the only one here right now who's taking this text seriously, trying to meet together with other people. So wherever you are, you're in clear violation of verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Well, for two months, you've been cultivating this habit. And so what do we do with that? Well, the reality is, of course, We've been loving each other by not gathering. We've been honoring our government and therefore honoring God by not gathering during this time. But you can still be encouraging one, each, one another, but encouraging one another, the text says. Consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Don't give up the habit of meeting. Encur keep encouraging each other. Well, I'm sure many of you uh, during this time have been encouraging one another in different ways. Uh, through through texts or through you know emails or through phone calls or through you know whatever these social media things I, I used to think that we had we had quite enough you know apps and quite enough social media stuff and, and now to me these things are multiplying like rabbits you know they're everywhere now well even when you can't meet during times like this you can still fulfill this text. Think about how you can encourage one another. 
thinking about how you can spur one another on to love and good needs. There, there are good deeds. There is no isolation in terms of love. There is no restriction on encouragement. And to find out how to how to navigate these things, uh, navigate our circumstances and situations, while still fulfilling this text. And when we can when we can gather together again. We gather to encourage and to worship. It, it, it will be a rich and significant time. So, so I, I would encourage you to encourage each other. But also encourage you, don't let these last number of weeks that have turned into months form in you the habit of, of not gathering together to worship God with his people. When we're able to gather together again, let's take every advantage of that for our good and for God's glory. The author, having said that, now gives a very strong warning. We've seen this in Hebrews 6. I won't go over sort of the range of options again. But in verses 26 through uh, 31, he reminds us that if you reject Christ, there is only the prospect of judgment. If you reject Jesus, there's no sacrifice for sins left. He's the only sacrifice that actually atones for sin. So, verse 27, all you can expect is, is judgment. Fire that consumes the enemies of God. And then a, 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 a lesser to the greater argument, if you died by, for violating the law of Moses, how much more will you die if you, if you violate the new covenant? If you trample the Son of God underfoot, now hear this language, if you trample the Son of God underfoot, if you treat as unholy his blood, if you insult the spirit of grace, what do you deserve? People who reject Christ, who trample him, who despise him and hate him, and trample him under their feet, who think that his blood is disgusting and unclean, an abomination to God, who insult God's holy spirit of grace, they'll still be judged. The Lord will judge his people. And it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. These warnings drive you to Jesus. These warnings cast you back entirely on Christ. Don't abandon Christ. Hold on to the hope that you profess unswervingly. Because there's no hope apart from him. In Christ, you have nothing to fear from God. Outside of Christ, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of of the living God. Then verses 32 through 39, the author reminds the people that um, they've already experienced persecution. They've already experienced loss. So they say, why would you have gone through that suffering in order to give up now? You, you've already suffered for the sake of the gospel. Remember those earlier days. You endured suffering. You were insulted, persecuted. And then you, you had fellowship with those who were persecuted. You stood side by side with them. That would have been encouraging. But this is quite different. He says, do not give up the habit of meeting together. He's not talking about a country club. He's talking about meeting with people who are being persecuted for their faith. That is identifying yourself with those who are being persecuted for belonging to Jesus. And when you stand with them side by side, you're saying, I belong to Jesus too. This is not a way of, of increasing business social contacts. 
And it's a pretty good way of having your stuff confiscated too. He said, you suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. In other words, you, you, you didn't mind. You didn't mind when they confiscated your stuff because it was just stuff. Oh, you knew you had lasting, eternal, better possessions, that your citizenship is in heaven. And, you know, to, to borrow the words of Jesus, that you have treasures stored up in heaven where, where you know, moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. So people were stealing and plundering your stuff. Now you, you were okay with that. You joyfully accepted it. You had joy about that. You could have joy about that. A lot of us, because we just have so much junk, you'd be happy to get rid of it anyway. These people would have had minimal possessions, joyfully accepted the confiscation of those possessions because it showed you belong to Jesus. Because they belonged to Jesus, they knew they had, they had an eternal inheritance awaiting them. That contrast between how they were treated on earth and how their things could be removed from them reminded them of what they had in Jesus permanently and forever, and it caused them joy. So because you've already know this, you've already experienced this, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. A great reward of inheritance coming. Verse 36, you need to persevere. So when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. Again, this reminder, you know, if you're running a marathon, you, you, you don't get the crown by quitting you know, at, at you know, kilometer number 37. Keep going. You got to finish that course. Perseverance is required. And he quotes the, the prophet uh, Isaiah Habakkuk. The Lord's coming back. And the righteous one lives by faith. The righteous one should not pull back, shrink back. God takes no pleasure in those who pull back from walking with him. And the author ends on this note, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. This is a great promise for you. It's very encouraging. You don't need to fall into the hands of the living God in, in judgment. You don't need to pull back. You don't need to fail. You don't, you don't need to stop running. You can keep going all the way to the end by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit of God. And through Jesus Christ, you can belong to those who have faith and are saved. Saved. No matter what happens in the world. No matter what happens to our lives. We can be saved by the power of God through Jesus Christ. So don't pull back. Walk by faith in the Holy Spirit. Draw near to God. Hold unswervingly to you the hope you profess. Consider how you may spur one another on in love and good deeds. Encouraging one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. May God help us to walk in faithfulness and fidelity to himself. May he help us to walk by faith all the way to that wonderful day of salvation. May God bless you.